Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, as President Biden pardons pot users, Britain reportedly considers locking them up. We'll debate marijuana laws with Happy Monday's maverick Sean Ryder. Jewish superstars unite to condemn Kanye West racist tirades. I'll speak live to comedy actor and friend star Michael Rappaport, who's furious with Kanye. The ticking dementia time bomb on an aging population. The husband of the late great Dame Barbara Windsor will be here live in the studio. And Liz Truss says she'll cut taxes and the national debt, but she won't cut public spending. Has she finally lost her marbles? Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Prime Minister Liz Truss got about two days in office before the Queen's death and the period of national mourning. She then had another two days behind the desk before Parliament packed up for party conferences. And she's had three days at work this week. So in the seven days of service to this country, she's so far cost the UK market £300 billion in value, which is roughly £43 billion a day. You certainly can't say she's not efficient. Every time Miss Trust speaks, we seem to get poorer. And today, at Prime Minister's Questions, she reminded us why. And what we're making sure is that we protect our economy at this very difficult time internationally. And as a result, as a result of our action, Mr Speaker, and this has been independently corroborated, we will see higher growth and lower inflation. Really? Corroborated by who exactly? Quasi Kwarteng? The IMF actually said yesterday that growth will grind to a near hold of 0.3% next year. Inflation will be higher in the UK than anywhere in the Eurozone other than the mighty Slovakia. A report by the Institute for Fiscal Studies, meanwhile, says there's a £60 billion black hole in the mini-budget, needing massive public spending cuts. Obviously didn't post a copy to number 10. During her leadership contest, the Prime Minister said, and I quote her exactly, I'm very clear, I'm not planning public spending reductions. Is she going to stick to that? Absolutely. Absolutely sure, Prime Minister. Tax cuts, lower national debt, more spending, no government cuts. Either you're a very secret, secret economic genius or something's not quite adding up here. Well, to give uh, Ms Truss her due credit, there was one short moment of absolute crystal-clear clarity and brutal honesty from the Prime Minister today. I'm just... Mr Speaker, I'm genuinely unclear yeah. about what yeah. Labour's... Yeah. About what... Yeah. 
Mr. Speaker, I'm genuinely unclear as to what, as to what the Labour Party's policy is on our energy price guarantee. Well, he could have stopped it after, Mr. Speaker. I'm genuinely unclear, couldn't you? We're all unclear. No one's got a clue what Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng are doing. It makes absolutely no sense to be slashing taxes at this moment in time with the country's finances and the state they're in. To then try and pretend you're not going to cut public spending to pay for all this is cloud cuckoo land stuff. Even as I come on air tonight, there's a slew of tweets which I think are very revealing. This is from Talk TV's Kate McCann. A trust supporter post mistrust's appearance in the 22 committee room tonight. I mean, she's cardboard, isn't she? We have to accept that. To which Kate McCann said, but that's not going to win you an election, is it? Of course not, came the reply. We're going to lose. Nothing makes any difference now. We're effed. And just in, ITV's political editor Robert Peston tweeted, a member of Truss's own cabinet, a cabinet minister, tells me Truss and Quarting's governance is so dire that some Tory MPs would vote against it in a confidence vote, preferring even a general election that costs them their seats to the current economic chaos. Isn't that extraordinary? In seven working days, this new Prime Minister lost the markets, lost many of her own MPs, lost some of her cabinet, and clearly lost most of the public. I think the best thing that this trust can do now, and I mean this completely seriously, is call an election or quit. She has no mandate for the mayhem that she is creating. Well, more on that later. But first tonight, President Biden last week pardoned all Americans convicted of possessing marijuana. It's a stark contrast to the stance of the British Home Secretary, who reportedly wants to make cannabis a Class A drug alongside crack, heroin and crystal meth. UK government's now distanced himself from Suella Braveman's stance, but it's rehashed a classic debate. Is cannabis a dangerous gate gateway drug or a sociable sedative, no worse than alcohol, worth potentially billions in tax revenues? We're joining me now to discuss this. Uh, a former newspaper editor, Emily Sheffield, political journalist, Ada Santina, Talk TV contributor, Esther Kraku, uh, but also lead singer of The Happy Mondays and self-proclaimed melon twister, Sean Ryder, and the Fox News contributor across <laughs> the pond, Tommy Lahren. So let me start with Sean. Uh, a, great to see you, Sean. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Now, this is a raging debate, and I spent a lot of time in America where in 19 states now, marijuana is legal uh, for American citizens, it ought to be yeah. said, not for, not for uh, non-American citizens. And, you know, I, we'll come to Tommy in a moment for her verdict on how that's all been going, but certainly massively more open about legalising this drug in America than we are here, which seems a little perverse. Do you think that we should be catching up with yeah. the Americans and moving to legalise it? Well, I'm going to be quite controversial here, Pierce, and call the Home Secretary a knob. Because draconian rules that, you know, turn it to Class A. I mean, what's that going to achieve? That's just ridiculous. It's draconian. And yet, you know, I really thought whatever happens in America, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, it happens here. And we should be taxing it and we should be making money off it. Really. You know, we need to go forward. It, you know, going backwards. You know, we need to try something that hasn't been tried before. In terms of cannabis it. itself... You I mean, know, you get know, a certificate of your doctor. Well, sure. For famously, cannabis, no-one's ever OD'd on cannabis. 
right? It's it's impossible, pretty no. much. So no, it's no recorded case of somebody having a, a lethal yeah. overdose of cannabis. However, I you know I was yeah, discussing. Yeah, you just this, get moving and lazy. Well, I was I, I was discussing it though before we came on air with some of my own team, and they they have family members, some of them who've had extremely bad experiences um, by taking too much marijuana. And you do read a lot of grim stories about people who get addicted to it. It ruins their lives. It's a gateway drug to more serious drugs. Well, what do you say to that argument? Well, cannabis has got a built-in antidote, right? And the basic thing about it is you light it up and smoke it, and if you get paranoid, you know, you stop smoking it. You know, once you... You know, I mean, I smoked for 15, 17 years. I got up one morning, lit up a joint, usual thing, wake up, skin up, and I got para. And I had another go, and I got para, and I didn't smoke it again, and that's the same with all my mates, you know, and everybody I know. So once you start getting para, you stop smoking it. All right, let's bring I mean, in Tommy you know, Tommy, There really isn't any, really any long-term... You know, I, I, I'm not having it, you know, about... There's no withdrawal symptoms. They're not physical withdrawal symptoms. They're more mental. You know, I want it. That lasts for about a week. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. It really is draconian. OK, let's come to Tommy. Uh, it's ridiculous and draconian that the new British Home Secretary is considering making this a Class A drug and incarcerating people for it. At the exact moment, President Biden is doing, of course, the opposite with Americans in relation to marijuana. Uh, how do you think this conversion of many American states to places where Americans can legally take this drug, how has that gone, Tommy? Well, I'll tell you this, I don't usually believe in freedom infringement of really any kind, but I'll tell you, the states that have legalized in the United States, if you look at them and you look at their homeless population, their degenerate population, it has expanded wildly. I mean, just look at Denver, Colorado. It used to be a city that was very vibrant, very hardworking, and then they legalized pot. And now they have potheads laying on the side of the street. They have people that traveled there because pot was legalized. So I don't think it attracts the best of the best. You know, here in the United States, we allow the states to decide, and I'm on, honestly an advocate for states' rights. I think if you want to have a class of people that are potheads, that smoke weed, that maybe don't contribute a whole lot to society, your voters need to decide that. But I would tell you, tread lightly on this whole legalize everything, because we've also got states here in the United States that have said, hey, listen, heroin, all those other illicit drugs, aren't, they're not so bad either. We have shoot-up galleries where you can safely inject. I mean, we talk about a snowball effect. That's what you're seeing in the United States. So be careful what you wish for. It might seem like it's just all in good fun, just a little weed until you've got pothead littering your streets and then you might think a little differently. But Tommy, do you think it's worse than alcohol for example? Well, hey, listen, I'm not here to say if it's worse or better than alcohol. I do know that there are more studies that are surfacing saying that the long-term effects of cannabis might be a little different than some people think. But when we talk about alcohol, people usually don't look at an alcoholic and say, yeah, that's safe, that's healthy, that's environmental. But when you look at people that habitually smoke weed, there's this connotation that comes with it that it's from the earth, it's natural, it's for the hippies. Well, take a longer look into that, and I think the studies are going to reveal that it might not be so green, wholesome, and wonderful on down the road. So it's really more the connotation that goes with it. People have been told it's natural, it's healthy, there's nothing wrong with it, you can't OD on it, and I think that's a very dangerous message to be putting out there, especially <coughs> young people. I mean, it might be a dangerous message, but it's actually a fact, I believe, that no-one's ever medically OD'd. 
on cannabis, whereas a lot of people have OD'd on alcohol. Uh, alcohol seems to kill a lot more people than cannabis does. Uh, I'm not necessarily advocating that we legalise it here. I'm just saying those are two facts which make it interesting to me that we treat as a society alcohol in a more liberal, tolerant way than we treat cannabis. And I'm not quite sure why. Well, I think also you mentioned nobody's OD'd. Well, that might be the case, but just because you're not overdosing and dying doesn't mean that there are not adverse effects. And I think we need to know those adverse effects. For so long, you know, the weed lobbying industry has said, oh, it's clean, it's natural, there's no problem, you're not going to OD on it. Again, a dangerous message. Let's also keep in mind that here in the United States, we're having a big problem with marijuana being laced with fentanyl. So this message that, oh, it's just weed, well, listen, you got to look a little deeper, got to get a little further under the hood. And then we also have to understand that because we don't have uniform regulation. A lot of this weed that's being grown, the fertilizers being used are not being regulated the right way. So there are other health side effects that go along with this beyond just overdose that really need to be looked at. And we okay. got to get under the hood a little deeper. Okay, but just final point back to you, uh, Sean. Does anything that Tommy say there yeah. make you rethink what you're, what you're saying about this? Well, okay. okay. So how does... Turning weed into a Class A drug solved the problem. You know, we've got a South American country there where the Prime Minister or the President has basically told, you know, his cops to go out and end people's lives on the street. Anyone who's doing drugs, shoot him, right? Kill him. And, and that doesn't stop him doing it. So how does turning it and giving it a Class A solve that problem? And, 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 and really what? So we're blaming the whole problem of homelessness and no jobs and everything else in America on what? Weed? Really? Come on. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the final word to you, Tommy Laren. Come on! Growled in a Mancunian accent. <laughs> no, I'm not saying our homeless crisis... I'm not saying our homeless crisis can, uh, can be entirely be blamed on weed. It's mostly blamed on Democrats and their policies here in the United States. But I'll tell you this, the cities <laughs> and the states that have legalized, they have seen an influx of degenerates on their streets that come there because weed has been legalized. It doesn't attract the best of the best. Go to Denver, Colorado, go to Los Angeles, go to San Francisco, tell me what you see. And I'd also say this about the whole gateway drug thing. Not a lot of individuals start out with a needle in their arm. They start out with something else. So is it a domino effect? Uh, I have a feeling that there's something to that. You know what? It's a fascinating debate, and I can't think of two more unlikely people to have come together to have it, and yet you both made great points. So I think we, should, we may have to do this pairing again. Um, thank you both very much. Sean, Tommy, really appreciate it. Thanks, please. It's come to my so pack. I mean, it's, a, it's a great, actually, pairing there. You couldn't meet two more unlikely people to duke it out. But interesting points... Esther, they both made interesting points. No, I mean, I, it's, this is a very complex issue, I think. I think so. And I, I actually I understand Tommy's point because it's, it's mostly un, un, sort of unleashing Pandora's box. I think the status quo now is fine. I don't think we should make it a Class A drug because we're dedicating too many resources to something that's not as big of a problem. We're already tackling the problem. Should it be decriminalised? I mean, it is interesting. When I, go to, I've got a house, no. I have a house in LA, right? So I go there a lot. And it's amazing how quickly it's moved to where you walk down the main part of Beverly Hills, and you see these gigantic billboards, mm. all for people flogging marijuana. Yep. And you're like, if you come from England, it's, like, quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, but there, it's completely accepted, and they're just cracked on. And I don't think it's as yeah. bad as Tommy presented there from my, from my look at it, but I certainly do get the feeling from a lot of people that it's more dangerous to certain types of people than 
then I think there's no societal benefit for legalizing weed. And I say this, not, not including the medicinal uses of cannabis. I say this as you're not going to get a better society because more people are smoking weed legally. But I also don't think you should dedicate more state resources to try and tackle it like you would deal with heroin. I think the problem is with alcohol, for instance, it's Pandora's box. We've opened it. We have mm. a very much an alcohol-consuming society. And that, that leads to so many illnesses that our NHS has to deal with. You don't want to add to that now by either legalizing weed or... Emily, you're, weed you're nodding there. You agree with that? I do, actually. I think it's Class B at the moment. I think that's about right. They did yeah. move it down to Class A. They rapidly moved it back up to Class B. I, I also think there are certain elements of um, our multicultural society where smoking cannabis is, is part of their cultural... Mm. part yeah. of their culture. Mm. And I think in, in those situations, it is unfair. They are being penalised for something that is completely natural to their, to their culture. But it is also true what Tommy is saying. And this is where the argument gets a little bit nuanced is there is a lot of cannabis and weed out there which is being laced with stuff yeah. that is incredibly dangerous. Absolutely, yeah. And especially if young kids get their hands on it. But is legalising going to make that different? Because you would then, yes, you would have... You would have legalised forms of cannabis, which are probably so you need to fine for you, and it's regulated. Yeah. That isn't going to stop the stronger stuff being on the black market. Right, Ava? Yeah, but then you could have you could have tougher laws, couldn't you, for, for weed that's being sold on the black market? I mean, to Tommy's point about fentanyl being <laughs> laced in a legal, regulated product, that's obviously not happening. And if that is happening, that would be like if we started selling alcohol in our shops that mm. was made from moonshine. It's just it's exactly. just not plausible. But also, would you would you legalize it here? I don't. I don't think I would legalize it. I would definitely say we should decriminalize it. I think when you look at America and you think about over half of the people who are in prison mm. because uh, for drug offences are because of weed, which is a really light drug and really can't affect you. It's just abysmal. I don't know why on earth. Okay, we we're going to take a little break. Come back and talk about Kanye West, who's been suspended from social media for anti-Semitic rants. We're going to talk to the Jewish actor Michael Rappaport about this. He's livid about this, and we'll get a reaction from the pack after the break. Plus. One in three people born this year will get dementia. They claim the life of national British treasure Barbara Windsor and her widower Scott Mitchell will be here with a tough message for the government who he thinks may be about to renege on promises made to commit funding to dementia. We'll discuss that. Welcome back to Baseball and Uncensored. Kanye West led his controversy to spark a global debate about the line between free speech and hate speech, as well as concerns about his mental health. Last week, he wore a White Lives Matter T-shirt at a Paris fashion show, but it was Twitter posts about going, in his words, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people that stoked the biggest outrage. He's now been suspended by Twitter and Instagram and condemned by a host of Jewish celebrities. Comedian and actor Michael Rappaport, who's previously defended Kanye, is one of his critics this time, and he joins me now. Uh, Michael, thank you very much indeed for joining me. What's up, Pierce? Well, good to have you. And I, I was reading your, or watching your video, uh, Attack. We've got a little clip of it here. Let's just take a look at this first. Kooky Kanye West. What are you talking about, DEFCON 1? DEFCON 2, see, see, Jews, we, we know about DEFCON 3, DEFCON 4. You're not doing DEFCON anything. With the Jews, we, we know about that, DEFCON 5. Six million. We know all about that. I've got to say, Michael, that was my response, and I'm not Jewish. I'm an Irish Catholic. But when I saw what he'd written, I was trying to think, what would I feel if I had been Jewish, reading this hugely influential rap superstar talking about going death? He didn't even say D-E-F. 
Con 3. He said D-E-A-T-H. Is this almost to, to ram it home? When you first saw it, what was your reaction? I I mean, I, I didn't like it. I was offended by it. Um, I, I didn't like it. I was offended by it. You know, I'm I, I uh, I'm, I'm offended by that kind of talk. I'm offended by, you know, when, when there's any sort of racist or racial anti-Semitic talk. Um, and I, you know, and I just I just, you know, spoke my mind like I, I do about about a lot of a lot of things. You know, I, I didn't like it. You know, um, I um, feel like it's an obligation and, and it's something that I must do as a as a as a man, as a Jewish man. And as a celebrity uh, uh, who's Jewish, um, to, to to speak out because, you know, in my opinion, and you know, statistically, anti-Semitism is on the rise in the United States. I don't know what it is worldwide, um, and a lot of times, you know, we, we will speak on behalf of other people's causes and other situations, but not our own. And, and I don't like the stereotypes uh, that are portrayed. Um, you know, in my business sometimes about, you know, men, Jewish men being passive or just, you know, neurotic and, you know, guilt ridden. And, and it's just not something that, that it's just not a um, something that I, I'll, I'll stand by and not say anything, you know, just like I didn't say anything during the uh, Charlottesville uh, situation right. when they so, were saying Jews will not replace us and you will not replace us during the Trump regime. So, so then my next question is, I completely concur with what you just said, but he's been suspended by various social media firms. Should he be completely no-platformed? I mean, people like Donald Trump nah, aren't allowed to I, be I, on I don't think social he, media. I, I don't think what, what you can... No, I, I think Donald Trump got what he, he asked for. I think he pushed the, the envelope. I've been suspended on all social media platforms, Twitter... Facebook, Instagram, the big three of, and, and you know, if you, if you can't, if you can't um, do the time, don't do the crime. There's rules and regulations. I don't think that he should be taken off of it um, at this point. You know, who am I to say, but I, I get the suspensions. I've gotten suspensions for language and stuff like that. And it's, it's part of the, uh, the, the, the forum, you know, it, it sucks. It's frustrating when it happens to me. I could say when it happens to me, but it's part of the game. You know, there's so many benefits, um, especially for someone in show business, especially for someone on Kanye, like Kanye and, and all entertainers to be on social media to promote themselves and to promote uh, um, products and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you, you need to, a, a timeout. It's happened to me. Like I said, it sucks, but I don't think he should be removed completely, no. OK, I mean, very interesting. Well, Michael, thank you very much indeed for that perspective. I want to come, come back to the pack here. So, Esther, you were defending... Kanye West, which I was surprised about, because to me it was a clear-cut breach of any rule you want to say. If you're blatantly making threats to a whole populace, particularly Jewish people, then I'm sorry, you cross a line, don't you? That, That's I, not free speech. The, the thing is, though, I'm, I'm very cut and dry with what I think um, social media platforms have the right to regulate, because I think they're taking the mickey, right? You do not get to say that we are, we are a platform and not a publisher, and yet censor things that you don't like. My, the only caveat I have to that is you have to explicitly call for violence. If you said that on this show tonight, yes. you wouldn't be back here yes, tomorrow. Yes, but you're not... If I said it about Facebook. black... If I said 
I'm going to go DEFCON 3 on black people, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't work again in this country. I'm Never mind being banned from social media. I'm not defending what he said. I do think it was... Wait, the way you are, though, it, what you mean is there's no line then. No, I, I do not think that social media platforms have the right to regulate that kind of speech. Why? And, no, uh, because, 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 because the thing is, because that falls into... Well, they the, have, they, look, they have the falls, right, don't they? Because it's not inci inci um, uh, he's not inciting violence. It's Isn't hate, it's hate speech. Joking? I'm going no, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people? No, it's not inciting violence. It's hate speech. There's a difference. What's and the, the reason difference? why the difference is, let's go death con on Jewish people. That's inciting violence. I'm going death con... He said, but when I wake all, up I, in the morning, I'm going to go death con three on Jewish people. That's literally what he said. That's not him inciting violence, though. And I think... <laughs> How do you know? Because he hasn't said what he's going to do. Does he need to? Ava? Well, I don't know. Is that what they were saying in, like, 1938? Like, no, but come it's on. Not, it's, not, like... it's not inciting violence. And I'm, I'm very it black and white is. about this. I'm very black and white. I don't think... I do not think social media platforms should regulate hate speech because I think it's very subjective. Me refusing to use someone's pronouns, for example, is Racism is not... But inciting violence is the only caveat. OK, so anti-Semitism, should it be tolerated by any social media platform? They obviously have the right, they're private companies, to do what they like. I think they'd be very inconsistent, actually, in targeting conservative people like Trump and letting... I told her of Iran stay on, but in terms of what Kanye said, to me, it's completely unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not fit to be on there, is he? And it is a private company. They should absolutely take him off. And also, we should have better regulation. Like, what happened to that online harms bill that we were supposed to put through last Parliament mm. session that didn't go through? That was supposed to regulate all of this. I can't believe we're not in a situation yet where you have to put your credit card details in to have an, a social media account. Well, this is the... I mean, the problem, isn't it, Emily, is that how do you regulate it when... A lot of countries, like kids in, you know, Egypt in the Arab Spring uprising, kids in Iran now, kids in China, they want to be anonymous on social media in case they get hunted down and potentially put in jail mm -hmm. for having their right to free speech. This is the argument against making everybody have to give their details and say who they are. I mean, I've got to agree with you. It's, it, is a, it is a really tricky subject because, yes, by people being anonymous... It also allows bots. It's hard, much harder yeah. for social media platforms to track down bots. And we've seen huge disinformation from Russia because of that and, and other countries. But you're absolutely right. In Iran right now, if there's someone on social media who is saying, you know, death to the eye of Holler or Russia or anything, hmm. you're, you, you know, you, you're in really deep yeah. trouble. And, and, and a lot of social media is the only way they're getting out the videos that they need to say what's actually happening in their countries. I think the biggest problem is we've allowed these social media platforms to become so big, so powerful, with yeah. such large audiences. Mm. Yeah. It's almost become an impossible, but that's, that's an impossible issue. thing to regulate. Well, that's why, in but, a way, in a it, way, but we're all sitting here under yeah. publisher rules. We have rules exactly. guiding we're what we can. Well, there is a, there's Ofcom, which is the television regulator, and they'll be watching all these programs. And they, if people complain, and they investigate. Say, we can't say we. There are there are things we can't say, right. and also we wouldn't but anyway. Because you say we. I just try. I you know. I just literally put myself into the shoes that if I said that on air, what would happen? I would have been fired immediately. Quite right, in my view, quite right. And you wouldn't work again. No, whereas a little bit, it's like, well, Kanye, you know, he's a bit weird, isn't he? So he gets away with it. Um, what would you all think if I did this to you in an emoji? If you messaged me and I went... Well, in Afghanistan, that's a swear word. <laughs> We're not in <laughs> Afghanistan, are we? No, but if I sent you a thumbs-up emoji, yeah. what would you feel? If we weren't having an argument, I would think you're being passive-aggressive. You would? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, would you? Aggressive. So it's my favourite. Would you? Them, if I yeah. said to you, thumbs-up? Oh. If we're having an argument. Oh, in an argument? Yeah. God, I sent someone a thumbs up this evening, but we weren't having an argument. He just See, said, shall we have a drink? And I went, thumbs up. Well, apparently, look, a thread on yeah. reddit.com says that Generation Z, who, of course, are, 
offended and upset by absolutely everything. They see the thumb up emoji as you two. You, are you Generation Zs? No. Yeah. Just about. Um, oh, you might be. Can be seen as rude or passive aggressive. Whereas people over 35 are more likely to use it. I mean, I, I do it all the time to people. I'm not being passive aggressive. probably aggressive. not in a row. Yeah, exactly. No, you no, sometimes in a row. Like, really? really? You, and your, you and your wife are having a tiff and she said something to you and you did that. that well, we don't have tiffs because she knows how lucky she is. So uh, just kind of bless But no, my sons, for example, in our WhatsApp group, I'll often do that and it'll be like... I suppose it is slightly passive-aggressive sometimes, yeah. In a row. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not like, in a, shall we go out for a drink? Yeah, yeah. exactly, that's fine. No, anyway, it's I, not cool, by the way, neither's the laughing face. So right. I, I realised how cool, uncool I was because I put laughing faces on everything just because I'm laughing. That, yeah. that is so Well, uncool. David Cameron famously put LOL, didn't he, at the end of his emails, thinking it meant... Lots of laugh. Yeah. Laugh, oh, laugh out loud. And in fact, to be, t- to be told, it means lots of love. No, 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 no he meant all the way around. He said lots of love, and actually it was laugh out, oh, laugh out loud. Oh, oh, that's such a dad, dad, yeah. <laughs> dad mistake. Are you saying that was a dad mistake? Yeah, yeah. nice one. Yeah, nice one. This is why I shouldn't have young panellists on this show. <laughs> only have people my age or more. Then we can have the senior moment. No one cares. You've got to speak to your sons more. They'll, they'll yeah. They do cool. try and... I mean, they'll all be cringing at that now. Um, quickly, before we go to the break, Liz Truss, talking of thumbs down, hmm. right? Actually, let's talk about it after the break. We'll have a quick break and come back and talk about Liz Truss. Is she toast? And if she's not toast, why isn't she? Uh, and also, we're going to have Scott Mitchell, of course, Barbara Windsor's widower, uh, a great guy with a very important message. He fears that one of the one of the many downsides of what is going on with our uh, finances at the moment is that it may impact directly on people with dementia. He's going to explain why. So he'll be with me later as well. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Ascension. Liz Trust says no public spending cuts, only tax cuts and cuts to the national debt. Well, how's that going to work? Still with me are my superstar pack. I mean, look, can any of you work this out? Am I missing something? Is Liz Trust an economic genius like which we've never seen? No, she's just Where you them... can just cut all the taxation you want, massively increase our debt, but not cut any public no, she's spending paper. Efficiencies. What does that mean? It's tax cuts. cuts, but they're calling them efficiencies. Right. So they're going to try... That's very bad rebranding. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Very bad So she's either going to kick, kick, kick the tax cuts down the line, or... Which would be suicidal. It... 
Everything's suicidal right now. Point, yeah. Emily, I don't know if you've got any connections to former Conservative British Prime Ministers, but if you did, what, what do they all think of this? Is it all nuts? I don't know personally because I haven't spoken to them about it, <laughs> but um, I would say that... You, you haven't know, spoken to no, I mean, your brother-in-law about this? No, I wouldn't. And um, Really? What I would say is I that the thing about whether her premiership is going to last or not, I think everyone just needs to be looking at the... Polls. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really, really bad. But, right, but and in they terms are going to start looking at: Are we losing a hundred percent, or are we losing at ninety yes. percent? Because at the moment, it looks very much like they're going to lose. I was at an event last night. It was a lot of politicians, a lot of journalists, and they're all saying, "Well, it's still two years away." And I'm, I'm, I'm like, if those, if if those, if Labour keeps moving ahead in the way they yeah. are, it's not two years away. We're talking about straight after Christmas. I don't really see how they can turn it around now because it doesn't matter what they do. They've lost their credibility. She's going to be shouted down by everyone yeah. about anything they do. They are probably going to have to reverse all these tax cuts. Yeah. I don't see how but the thing they're going to But I don't see, I mean, Ava, I don't see how, as a, as a new prime minister, if you keep now reversing all your policies, you've announced it, this huge, spectacular, supposedly game-changing mini-budget, if you literally have to go back on most of the big ones your position becomes untenable, doesn't it? Well, I think she's kind of got a get-out clause by getting rid of Quasi. So if she could kind of formulate... But is that a get-out clause? That's not a get-out clause. Aren't they joined at the hip now? a way of saying, look, all my backbenchers want you gone, and then she could just blame the whole thing on him, and he's gone, start afresh. Well, they'll make her kryptonite. But, you know, the thing is, when we're talking about polling, it really worries me, because I actually think this is a question of morality now. I think it's like, look at the country, and look at what's happening to the... I don't really care about Tory... Tory, Sorry, I don't care about Tory MPs losing their seat. I agree. And Rishi, by the way, also said the same thing. He said it was a moral choice. I absolutely agree with you. But I, I, we would. I was answering the question: How long she's going to last? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it's those. It's not going to be past the Christmas. Tory party. The only ones that can get rid of her at the moment. The truth they is, are we are two candidates. This is why I backed Rishi Sunak to be the leader when it was him or Liz Truss, because all the stuff she was saying sounded to be completely insane as a lack of understanding of how basic economics works. Well, yeah. At least he understands how the economy works. But the idea that the Tories have gone with Liz Truss and this has now happened, yeah, but and I, you've got Rishi Sunak who predicted it all... I think a lot of people, and I had some senior Tories saying this to me, saying, oh, well, no, 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 she's competent, she's being very clever, she's winning over the membership, because mm. once you're PM, you're in. And, and I, I, I was listening, going, mm-mm, no, something really's not right here. I just had an instinctual thing. I also hated what she was saying. Yeah. But I did see that it was going to get that, her but PM. That's, that's the but I said, I think you're wrong. I don't think she's going to change when she gets in. Apparently, they all banged their... <coughs> banged the desks yeah. in the 22 committee room today when she popped down there. In Fleet Street, as we know... People do that when you're leaving. When you're leaving the building permanently, everyone bangs their desk. And I suspect this might be what we're seeing. And I think because everyone else is reporting that, as you were reading out earlier from Kate McCann, there Mm. is every single political reporter I know is reporting quotes from MPs as they came out. And cabinet ministers. And they are saying the mood is sad, terrible, sombre... You know, so that banging, I, I don't know what that was I don't know what that was for. No. Sunday no, no. Times is Gabriel uh, Pogren, who's been breaking so many stories in the last year, tweeted the Conservative MP text me. Liz Truss took zero responsibility for driving the economy into a wall, 
tonight. This is when she appeared at 22. No ownership of her catastrophic misjudgment. Instead, saying the problem was bad communications. And uh, uh, J Jason Groves, the political journalist on Twitter, Tory MP on her appearance, it was like someone trying to light a fire using a magnifying glass using damp wood <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. These are, these are her own people. But the, the, the thing about the communication is spot on, because I said from the beginning her communication is completely off. I think the, the, the bigger issue is, and I think you touched on this, the disconnect between the parliamentary Tories and the, the actual Tory membership, because that's yes. what really pulled Liz Truss And actually the, the whole system that we use to choose leaders now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is how we got Jeremy Corbyn, this is how we got Liz Truss. It's like, eventually, sorry, you don't just leave it to a few tens of thousands of people who normally are not representative of the wider body of even the people that support but those parties. But I don't parties. think she realised what she was trying to pull off was a coup. Right, and to have this kind of... Because it is a coup, right? To everything she's doing, it's, it's upset everyone, it's upset the, the bankers and um, Bank of England, all of that. But the point is, you need to have a... a you have to have an amazing team behind you to do this. Right. Your communication has to be spot yeah, on. It's all, you can't keep going yeah. back. You Look, can't when keep I saw her, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be exactly. mean, but when yeah. I saw Theresa Coffey sitting next to Liz Truss today, yeah. it was like I stumbled into a very low-rent WI meeting and that these two were fighting to get re-elected after a very mediocre tenure. Yeah. And I'm like, they're running the country. It's the Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister. I saw coffee on the uh, airwaves yesterday. Basically, he said, well, I've no idea what's happening. He said, well, you're the Deputy Prime Minister. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm looking after health. Really? Uh, anyway, all very vaguely terrifying. Well, Friday is going to be an interesting day. Yes, yeah. it is, yeah. So, Explain and, why. And I'm not... Because that's when the Bank of England have said they're not buying up these gilts anymore. Yeah. And they've given them warning today. Yeah. Now, there's lots of arguments whether the Bank of England was right to do that because they said they were stopping it. Then there were some rumours that, that some of the Bank of England staff have been telling... This was all happening in Washington. And I think they behaved On Tuesday night, actually. were they briefing or not? What? I, I, I don't know. Them. Actually, I believe the Bank of England was giving the right message. It's to do with these LDIs. It's very complex to explain, so I'm not going to do it here. They were trying to say they would yeah. save some of the more severe LD, LDIs. But... The markets are already reacting badly. Yeah. Gilts are up at See, 5%. All, sorry, That's the all... highest since 2008. Terrifyingly so... high. Um, let's quickly talk about Graham Norton and John Cleese. So John Cleese has decided to commit uh, career suicide and join <laughs> a rival down-market news network. Isn't that what we say when these things happen? Um, who, who will remain unmentionable. Um, but it's interesting. He, he talked on Radio 4 about cancel culture, and he said this. The BBC have not come to me and said, would you like to have some one-hour shows? And if they did, I would say, not on your nelly, because I wouldn't get, uh, wouldn't get five minutes into the first show before I'd been cancelled or censored. That's probably true, but Graham Norton said this at the Cheltenham Literary Festival. John Cleese has been very public recently about complaining about what you've got to say, and I just think it's, it must be... And it must be very hard to be a man of a certain age who's been able to say whatever he liked for years, and now, suddenly, there's some accountability. Mm -hmm. Well, OK, Ava, you're agreeing with this. Yeah. But why? That's truly that's the embodiment of free speech. Yes, John Cleese has been allowed to say what he likes. Why shouldn't he be yeah. able to? He was also allowed to say that on BBC Radio 4's flagship yes. programme. He hasn't been cancelled off of the BBC. He's just OK, he's but I was effectively cancelled off Good Morning Britain. 
because Meghan Markle didn't like me disbelieving her. Is that free speech? Is that where we're going? Yes, because it's the public's free speech to decide they didn't like what wasn't you were saying. Wasn't the public? It was her ringing up well, my boss. Well, it was. It was, wasn't it? There were a few. Not really. It was a few little well. wokies yabbering away on Twitter. It. Wasn't the public were completely behind me? Well, I was me. one of the wokies on Twitter who yes. didn't agree with it, and no, I thought no. she what didn't you? Been what did you find so objectionable that I wasn't believing her waffles? But if you don't agree with it, that's free speech. Is that? Do you now regret your fulsome support for old Princess Pinocchio? No, no, I'm still a big fan of her. Oh my God! Really? Why? Big fan of her. Oh dear God! Really? You oh need... God! Yeah, one of the best-looking women we've ever had in public life. Oh my God! Well, I wouldn't right. speak with that. Uh, Esther, with that. but uh, look, this I... whole debate, but because there is an argument on the left, we've just heard it. This is a thing as cancel culture. What are you all complaining about? I'm literally, I've been through it. I know what it's yeah, like. Exactly. Sharon Osbourne got fired for saying I had a right to an opinion. She got fired. It does exist. It does happen. It ruins people's lives. Absolutely. And I think that the whole idea of freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. That's nonsense. Because if you're actually, if you're going to, you have, if you're risking your career by yeah. saying something, then you, there's no such thing as freedom of speech. Yeah. And it's not because he's an older gentleman. I'm sorry. Is, is it his fault he was born in a certain era? No, he should be able to say what, what he wants. What did he say that he was cancelled from? Was it not because he just had two series that ran on the BBC that were so abysmal, which I couldn't well, that's true. Really Look, he has been, he's become a crashing old bore, don't get me yes. wrong. I mean, he, he last made me laugh with 40 Towers 40 odd years ago, right? A fantastic. But that program. really isn't the argument. Just finally on this, Emily, I mean, this, this idea there is no such thing as cancelled culture, that all those who talk about it are talking about it on platforms, I don't think it really washes because a lot of them have been cancelled from what they loved doing. There is cancelled culture going on, and some of it, I have to say, I think has been good. It's, it's almost like we're living in a world now where we're self-policing because a lot of these platforms are not. Mm. But I also think that there is an argument, yes, for free speech. I think what you're really seeing here are generations crashing into each other mm. in a big way on big, huge platforms. And that is causing this. But it's because the young... But... Uh, the, the young ultra-woke <laughs> brigade have got it into their heads that only their, their way of thinking, talking and behaving is acceptable. They are the new fascists. No, that's not you true. You are the new fascists. That's not true. I think a lot no, of what they've done John just has brought good things. You look at him, you think so... crusty old bloke, nothing you say is tolerated. No, Sorry. listen, that's not true. Just this crusty old bloke is refusing to change his ways and perhaps... Why should he change his ways? Because we don't, don't want to say hear it anymore. What's he said that's so wrong? We don't want to hear it anymore. What did John Cleese say that's so wrong? Well, I don't know. You don't know. I was about to give you an example. Go on. Which example? <laughs> well, you know, that Nazi scene in Faulty Towers probably wouldn't make it well, on there now, Well, he lampoons the Nazis. It? Yeah, probably wouldn't make it on so there So John Cleese cannot lampoon Nazis. Is that what we've got to? Have you ever watched Monty Python? I love Monty Python. Really? But do I think a lot that of people make last. TV? Right. No, I doubt it. You've got to leave it there. Which is uh, a shame. Yeah, this is the problem. It's people like you, Santina. It's people like you wanting to cancel one of the great Forty Towers scenes of all time. The last time, please, made me laugh. Um, well, next tonight, a ticking dementia time bomb and an ageing population. Husband of the late, great Dame Barbara Windsor. We're here live in the studio. Start spreading the news. Beers is taking the show to New York City with big guests in the Big Apple. Heavyweight champion Mike Tyson... The most controversial man in American news, Tucker Carlson. And the man who tried to kill the president, John Hinckley Jr. And many more. Join Piers Morgan Uncensored in New York City. Well, brace yourselves, Big Apple. We'll be coming next week, all week, uh, live from Manhattan. Uh, welcome back, though, to tonight's show. Dame Barbara Windsor was an icon on and off the screen for seven decades. She was the nation's sweetheart 
in legendary Carry On movies. And fling and in, and fling and in, and fling <laughs> and... <laughs> oh. Matron, take them away. And she became a nation's beloved landlady, Peggy Mitchell, in EastEnders. Remember this iconic clip? for you, Pat. Now, you dirty rotten bitch. Get out of my pub right now! I'm not going anywhere. I said go out! Hang on till I've had my drink. Now, somebody, somebody get out of my pub or swell me out Fantastic stuff. Well, Barbara was made a Dane by the Queen Elizabeth in 2016, but in private, she was already battling the illness that meant she could sometimes no longer remember even her own glittering career. She was cared for by her husband, Scott, until her death in 2020. Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson launched a national mission to tackle dementia in Dame Barbara's memory. But tonight, that mission may be under threat. We'll discuss that in a moment. Well, joining me now is Dame Barbara's uh, widower, husband, Scott. Great to see you, Scott. Good to see you, uh, Piers. Even looking at Barbara there, the footage reminds me, A, how brilliantly talented she was, what fun she was on and off camera, but also how much we all miss her. And for you, of course, it must be unbearable. Your new book... Uh, by your side, my life-loving Barbara Windsor just has this dedication to my Barbara, a love like no other, always in my heart, always miss forever loved your Scott. Says yeah. it all. And, and I do, and I do, and I, I miss her every day. And we were a very kind of close couple, Piers. We, we didn't do the kind of separate holidays and things like that together. I mean, we were always together. People always said, you know, this little unit walked in, two little munchkins uh, turned up somewhere. And... Of course, you have to get on and you have to live your life mm. and you have to start to try and live again, but it's different. You, you live, but it's different, and I just miss everything about her. I, I just miss mm. our silly little inane chats. We didn't stop talking for 27 years. The an amazing thing, when you first got together, it was a big age gap of 26 mm. 26 years, years. yeah. Uh, and it reminds me, in a way, of Dame Joan Collins, another great dame of this mm. country, and her husband, Percy, the 30-year age gap, but they've been together over 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, two of the best marriages I've seen, actually, which just said to me, age has got nothing to do with it. It's about compatibility. Absolutely. Finding the right person for you yeah. that gives you real love and support. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I think that, that we had, we liked each other. Yes. And I think that's such an important element mm. of a relationship. Do I like this person? Because if you don't, I think a lot of people don't even realise. So many people I know have split up since the pandemic because mm. they actually had to spend a lot yes. of time with their other half and discovered they don't even like each other. That is exactly right? the point. Is they it... go to work all day and they sort of they sleep all night and then they yeah. work out, actually, you've got to live together. Yeah. It's I don't easy... like you. It's easy to say, I love you. We all say, I love you. Yeah. People are, we're saying that to people the whole time. Yeah. But to actually like someone to want to be with them in that close proximity all those years, then that's a really big thing. I, I had a great pleasure of interviewing uh, Barbara for my Life Story show, mm. and there was a wonderful moment right at the end when I asked her how she'd like to be remembered, and she said this. You could write your own obituary. Would you prefer it to say, world's most famous giggle dies, yeah. or world's most famous cleavage? <laughs> I don't want either of those. I don't like either of those. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd like... Um, she was a good bird. <laughs> What's lovely about that is that actually on her tombstone uh, yeah. is that phrase, the, she was a good bird. The, and it, it came from the life story's answer absolutely. that she gave, which I think was really lovely and touching. Yeah, there, there's a plaque up at Golders yeah. Green uh, Crematorium that I've had put in one of the courtyards, and that is the bottom line. Yeah. She was a good bird. I love that. Yeah. Um, let's get serious. So yeah. 
you set up uh, this big campaign uh, to try and get people's support and uh, to uh, remember Barbara the right way. Mm. And Boris Johnson was going to commit a lot of money, like yes, was it 95, 95, 95 million. million pounds yeah. to do this. You now have information, I think, that's come your way that because of all this economic turmoil that's going on, mm. this may not now happen. What, what do you know? Absolutely. Now, if I'm wrong about this, fine. Then I'll, then I'll apologise. But I have it on very, very good source of information that two things could possibly happen that have already been put in place that will affect people in a major way. The first thing is... The, the Dame Barbara Windsor Dementia Mission was brought about a call from Alzheimer's Research UK, who I'm an ambassador for. We called for a task force similar based on what the COVID vaccine was. I did a Zoom conference with Dame Kate Bingham, who headed up the COVID yeah. task force. Um, and we said, if we can put the same premise for dementia, which is now it's one so of the important. number one killers. Why do you think it may not happen? I've been told that the interviews to start putting people in place for the task force should have started two weeks ago. They were cancelled at the last minute and they were told it's to do with um, government issues about budget sign-off for the task force. This is exactly what I feared was going to happen. In this financial turmoil, they're going to have to make a lot of cuts, despite saying they're not, and things like this, vitally important campaigns, mm. which you've done such brilliant work on, yeah. are going to get screwed in the process. If that happens, how are you going to feel? I'm going to feel absolutely disgusted. I, what is your I, message to Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng tonight? They cannot do this. Dementia is costing the economy £26 billion a year. This task force set up, they are going to start trials and developing new drugs. It will take two to three years to get those into the system anyway. You start delaying that now, Piers, and we're talking about another five or six years. And you also have heard that maybe cuts to social care as well. Well, the other thing that was put in by the previous Prime Minister was he's the first Prime Minister in 70 years and 14 Prime Ministers to have actually put something in place to do something about the social care And that may be a threat as well. That one, there's an £86,000 cap, which comes in in October 2023. I've also heard that that could be significantly delayed or it could be just kicked down. I think I'm glad you've come on to say this. I think it'll be an absolute disgrace if either or both of those things happen. The idea that these things get targeted to save money because these two clowns running the country have screwed our finances would be a completely contemptible thing. So we'll keep on this, Scott. I've got to say, it's it's a wonderful book about a wonderful lady I loved your love story. You proved all the critics and skeptics <laughs> wrong and we'll all miss her dreadfully, not least you. But thanks for coming in. And Pleasure. go and read this by your side. It's a wonderful book. Uh, good to see you, Scott. Thank you. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. That's the way Barbara and Scott would certainly have wanted it. Good night. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.